0: how's everybody doing this morning can y'all hear me okay amen amen we praise God for uh, the opportunity to share uh, from God's Word Uh, I am uh, mercy continuously praying that he would be glorified through me amen Um, if I seem nervous a little bit it's because I am Uh, Again, I I went from preaching every Sunday for five years while we pastored over in Flowood, to not preaching for about five years at all, and then coming to City Light and you know Brian saying, hey, it's time to kick the training wheels off and you know get out there. So uh, it should you would think it's one of those things like riding a bike, right? You know once you've done it. You can just wake you up at three o'clock in the morning and say, "Here's your text. Go preach, right?" But it's not. <laughs> it's something that you 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 really find a rhythm to, and 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 once you haven't done it for a while, you can kind of you know lose that rhythm. So, you know, you guys pray with me, and we pray above all that God would be exalted. Amen. John chapter twelve, as we see on the screen, is the text that we're going to be working from this morning uh, from a thought eternity. In view, and we pray that God would be honored uh, and that his people would be exhorted during our time here. And I don't know if it's my sinus meds or what, but my mouth feels like cotton this morning, so excuse me. But Jesus was great at something that you and I are um, not really so good at, and that is he was great at living life on mission uh, for God, constantly saying, you know, I only do that which I see and hear from my father. You know, I must be about my father's business. You know, my hour has not come. He, he was always in view of the father's purpose and plan for his life. Amen. But he was also great at doing life with us. And that's something we kind of struggle with in terms of doing life with one another well and keeping view of God's purpose and plan for our life. And so that's kind of the vein we want to think on or sit in as we walk through the text this morning. Uh, We've been charged from time to time to kind of pause and to reflect and to step back and appreciate, uh, as Pastor Brian says, how big... Our God is right how he's doing a billion things in any given moment that uh, we're not aware of or that we wouldn't understand or, or how it affects our life or the lives of those around us. And Jesus holds this tension very well, the tension of being fully God and, and fully man and, and, you know, reading through the text and thinking on, uh, going back and reading through John 11 and, and just looking at all that he's dealing with and reading ahead to, through 12 and 13 and knowing what's coming. It, it boggles the mind how he's able to do this so well, how he's able to live life as man with man and, and, all that that entails, because you do life with yourself and one another. Amen. Uh, while also being God, uh, again, recently illustrated for us in chapter 11 as Jesus stands at the tomb and he's he's weeping. Right. Lazarus has died and they've put him in the tomb and the sisters have called uh, sent word to Jesus that, you know, Lazarus is ill. Again, we remember from. John 11, that Jesus waits intentionally two more days and comes. And so now they're all here at the tomb of Lazarus. And um, you have the community that's there with the family and they're weeping at the tomb. And Jesus himself, the scripture says, Jesus wept. So he shares in our grief. Uh, another portion of scripture says we have not in high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmity. So he he shares with our grief. But in the moment as he is weeping, he also knows. And as he declares to Martha and to Mary both, I am the resurrection. So he stands here and he's weeping. But again, he knows that Lazarus will live again. Shares in our grief. But he is Lord of our over our circumstance. He shares with us in that moment, but he is not of that moment. So he experiences life, but he is not subject to it. He has an eternal view. Amen. We've also seen in John's gospel uh, a number of times, again, where he mentions this divine timeline and how his hour has not yet come. And as we open John, uh, John 12 here, that timeline is starting. Uh, just a few verses, uh, behind the latter part of, uh, 11, we see the chief priests and the Pharisees and, uh, Caiaphas, the high priest at the, at the time. And Caiaphas says something that, uh, we know he doesn't really understand because scripture tells us that he didn't say it of his own accord. But in 11, chapter 11 and verse 50, he says, Nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people not the whole nation not that the whole nation should perish 51 tells us he did not say this of his own accord but being high priest that year he prophesied amen excuse me important to note that he didn't say it of his own accord so god is still operating with this divine timeline and uh by the plan and providence of god and uh from that day the scripture says that they made plans to put Jesus to death. No surprise to Jesus. Uh, he and the Father are one. We get that. Uh, He's said that many times throughout Scripture. If you read John 17, you get that. Jesus and the Father are one. So it's no surprise to him that they're having this conversation. Uh, no surprise to him that Caiaphas has made this prophecy uh, to foretell that Jesus would be put to death. Um, John 2 and 25 tells us that Jesus knew what was in man. Amen. If you read ahead in John 12 to verse 27, he's having this conversation with the father and and, and saying, Hey, should this hour, you know, should I say that this hour, should this hour pass? But no, for this hour, I have come. Amen. So he, he knows what's coming. Jesus has in his view at this moment, as he looks, looks ahead, betrayal, mockery, abandonment, crucifixion, the wrath of God. And as we open chapter 12, Jesus is at a dinner party. Now, I took um, I'm a real estate agent, in case you didn't know. Uh, four years ago, as I was prepping... For this exam, because you hear in that in that in those circles, as you're you know looking to get licensed, you know that 40% of people fail the first time. That's what you want to hear when you're getting ready to take an exam, right? 40% of people who take this exam fail the first time, so people have to go back and some again and again, and some you know fell off because they got tired of trying. And but during that time. As I was prepping for that exam, I took 30 days after I finished my course, 30 days to simply study for the exam. I went to work on my lunch break. I studied for the exam. I went back to work when I got off. I said, hey, wife, hey, son. I went to my room and I studied for the exam. I didn't do life too well. During that time, right? Because I, I ignored living life with my family. I ignored even feeding myself on lunch just to study for this exam. But Jesus, and all that he has in view, takes time out to go to a dinner party. Six days before the Passover, verse 1 says in chapter 12, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. In this text, we see Martha, we see Mary, we see Judas, we see Lazarus, and we'll kind of use them as as examples to gauge uh, where you and I are, where we may stand at any given moment as we do life, uh, try to do life with one another, and try to live life on mission for Jesus. Amen? First question, and we'll only use two questions to kind of frame our discussion. The first is, what's your view? What's your view? And the second is, what's your view of Jesus? So, what's your view? First character we see here is Martha. Scripture says, Martha served. Are you a Martha? No surprise to anybody, if you've read through Scripture, if you're familiar with Martha, we see her in uh, Luke 10 as well, and there she was doing the same thing. She was serving. Martha was a worker. She was task-oriented. You know, as I was thinking to myself, you know, as they talk about public speaking. You're always supposed to throw in jokes. My joke was, Martha's favorite thing to do was probably to-do list. Ha, 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 ha. That was a joke. <laughs> not funny if you have to explain it right, (laughs) but she was a server, and you know, we need task-oriented people, we need workers, Uh, people need a servant's uh, heart, because there's no shortage of things that need to be done, you know, in in life at home, you know, my wife is, I honestly don't know how she does it, but I thank God that she can, because she works, and then folds magic. Clothes magically get put in drawers and magically get hung in closets and dishes magically get put in, in um, cupboards and all this stuff, right? So you need workers. Have you all seen this video? It's funny, it came to mind. On Facebook, there's this coffee table, right? Has anybody seen this? So there's this coffee table and uh, the guy has the police over because he's filed a missing persons report on his, on his wife, and so he says, look, I don't know what happened. I think she may have fell on the coffee table because whatever gets put on the coffee table magically disappears. So seriously, if you put clothes here, they'll magically disappear and they'll be in the drawers folded and clean. If you put dishes on the coffee table, they'll magically be cleaned and in the in the cabinet. Maybe she fell on the coffee table. Right now. good thing I'm not a comedian but you need people who serve the problem is Excuse me. Again, with Jesus as our example, he's keeping in view the father's purpose and plans as he labors. So what happens when we become consumed by our work? And this is what we see kind of with Martha. If you look back to Luke 10, uh, 38 through 40, Scripture says that uh, she receives Jesus uh, into her home and she's serving in the kitchen and Jesus is in the living room talking. And that's where Mary is. Mary is in the living room. Scripture says at the feet of Jesus and Martha comes in and she says, uh, uh, basically, hey, Jesus, there's a lot of work to do. And Mary's just sitting here. Don't you care that she's left me to do all this work alone? So tell her. This is Martha talking to Jesus. So tell her to come and help me. Right. Scripture says Martha was distracted or Jesus's response to her. Martha, you distracted by your many tasks. What Mary is doing, yeah, Mary, what Mary is doing is necessary. She has chosen the good, and it will not be taken away from her. As we do life, when we focus on task rather than the one who has given us, or who has gave us the task, the distraction or the task becomes a distraction and can leave us burnt out and bitter. Um, So that's the problem with um, focusing just on the work, focusing just on the task, uh, whether it's at work or at church or at home. Uh, When we serve out of duty or presumed obligation, we end up resenting not just the work, but the people that we're serving. Does that make sense? Pastor Brian says, are you tracking with me? So again, Jesus says to her, you know, that 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 you're worried and upset about all these things. But these things are not necessarily necessary. The thing that is most important in this moment. So he's saying he's not saying it's a bad thing, right? He's not saying it's a bad thing to work and it's not a bad thing to have these tasks and to tend to these tasks. But he's saying, as he said, even in. uh, We'll see it even in our text in John 12, you know, the poor you'll, he said, the poor you'll have with you always, but me, you won't always have. You know, it's great that you're tending to all these things, but hey, there's something more important happening right now. And so we have to be mindful that as we work and praise God for our labors, but we have to understand who we're laboring for and who we're laboring to. Our, la- our service to one another should be as unto God, Amen. Not so much what you do, but why you do it. Are you a Mary? Mary loves God. She loves to worship. Uh, verse 3 is where we see Mary. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive uh, ointment and made, made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance Of the perfume. Again, in Luke 10, we find Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to his words. Amen. Again, nobody would say that these are bad things, but Mary kind of has a habit, if you look at it, of disregarding the people around her. Some commentaries have tell the story where she was actually in the kitchen serving with Martha. And then when Jesus came, she left the kitchen to go sit at the feet of Jesus, leaving Martha to all the work. Amen. And even here uh, in John 12, uh, they're having a dinner party. And in the midst of everything that's going on, she comes in the room to, you know, with the ointment to anoint the feet of Jesus. So she again, she seems to not care about what's going on around her. It's just this is what I'm doing in the moment. And again, not a bad thing, but another portion of Scripture says, you know, if you come upon a brother who's hungry, you know, you can't say to him, be filled. Amen. He said, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. Right. So we have to. Yes, we worship and we worship passionately, but we also have to be mindful of those around us that we're serving them. Excuse me, um, you think Mary was upset with Martha that she left her alone in the kitchen? It's possible, right? With the tone that she had with Jesus, she was probably a little upset, right? Matthew 5:23 and 24 says, "If you are offering a gift at the altar and there remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift. First go and be reconciled to your brother." So worship is great. You know, I love to come in here and sing songs of worship and sing songs of praise. I I do it when I'm alone. You know, prayer is great. You know, I love to pray with people. I love to pray alone. But how can you love God whom you've never seen and hate your brother whom you see every day? Right? We can't just live at the feet of Jesus and ignore people around us. Amen? Amen? Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We can't be so absorbed in our worship that we forget to do life with people around us and to do life well with them. Amen. Are you a Judas? It's a good question for the church, right? Hard question, but... We know that they exist, right? Because Judas is here among the 12. Uh, if you go to, no, First Corinthians, uh, chapter 11, Paul see him there in the church at Corinth and he addresses it there, but we have Judas is in the midst of us. So, uh, are you in the midst of the people? You're coming to church every Sunday. You're coming to missional community or Bible study. You know, huh? you're participating in the work of the church, you know, you're you're feeding the hungry, you know, you're on the usher board. You're participating in the worship. You come when they stand, you stand. When they sing, you sing. So you're participating in the work, you're participating in the worship, but you're not partaking of the Savior. Jesus had twelve. Jesus had 12, but Judas still was not one of them. Amen. So you go through all the motions, but your only view is to serve yourself. Scripture saying here, him in response to uh, Mary anointing the feet of Jesus with this expensive oil. Verse four says, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So are you there simply just to serve yourself? And finally, what is your view of Jesus? Verse 9, if you would look with me there. When the large crowd of Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. That's the hope. You know, the son of man came to seek and save that which is lost. Another text in Peter says, it is not my will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, that's the mission of Christ. Uh, that's why he was sent. Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the goal of every believer. Christ saying uh, in Corinthians uh, in Christ's stead, in place of Christ, because he's gone away and he's made us uh, ambassadors of Christ. Amen. Scripture says ambassadors of Christ. And so he charges us in his stead to go and cry out, be reconciled to God. That's the hope. That's the mission of every believer, not just uh, of Pastor Brian, not just of myself, but of every believer to let your light so shine that men might see your good works and glorify your Father that is in heaven. Jesus has been working the work, amen, and he's been doing life with the people around him, being an offense only to those who are contrary, amen? And not that he's being an offense intentionally, excuse me, not that he's being an offense intentionally, it's just the Word of God. Christ, the the nature of Christ divides between those that believe and those who do not believe. And so what is your view of Christ? You know, as you've no doubt been in churches and you've heard the gospel preached. What is your view? He's done the work again. He said, if you don't believe me. Uh, you know, for, for my words, at least believe me for what, for my works. And again, he's not looking to just put him to death, but Lazarus as well, because Lazarus is, is, is a bullhorn in this tiny community that, that Jesus is, is hey, this, this, this guy, Jesus, is doing some stuff. How can a man do these things if God isn't with them? Another portion of, of Scripture says. So many from this time are believing on him, but there are still those that are not. For the Judas, for the unbeliever, I know we mentioned that Lazarus was a character in here, but we didn't talk about Lazarus intentionally. (sighs) Lazarus is a reminder that God can still raise the dead. Amen. And for those of us who Have not made the choice to accept Jesus Christ as Savior. Scripture tells us that we are dead men. Not only in in Genesis, because the word of the Lord says, In the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree that is in the midst of the garden, you shall surely die. Amen. And we only receiving life in the person of Jesus Christ because he took on the wrath of God for us. And so if we are a a uh, 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 Judas, whether you are here, and you're seeking to serve yourself or whether you're here and you just maybe maybe you're Nicodemus coming in the night and you, you you're interested in this person. Jesus, you, you you know, God's word and you know that there's something to him, but you haven't quite made up your mind to trust him. Lazarus is there to remind you that God can raise the dead. Amen. And if you are. A believer of Jesus Christ. And my charge and my hope for you as well as for myself is to walk as he walked in the sense of again, Jesus was wonderful at both. He was wonderful at, at walking the path and the purpose and the purpose that God had for him. And he was wonderful doing life with us. You know, even in moments where it frustrated him as he's on the, the ship. And they wake him up, Master, cares now that we perish. You know, how long must I suffer with you? And he goes up and he speaks the word only, amen. He's, he's looking to them. You know, have you guys not been with me long enough now? Do you not understand the authority that I've given you, the authority that you have in me? So God has expectations for us for your life, your, your, your talents, whether it's your one, your five, or your ten. Amen? It doesn't matter if you feel that somebody else is more gifted. God still has responsibility for you. So we have responsibility to walk in God's purpose and plan for us, but we also have responsibility to do life with one another and to do it well loving God, and loving neighbor. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather and to hear and to learn of you, God. Father, we're so grateful, Father, that you didn't leave us comfortless. Father, but that you sent your comforter, you sent your Holy Spirit to convict us of sin, to remind, to to speak to us of things to come, and to remind us of things that you have already spoken to us. We thank you for the empowerment of your spirit, O oh God, to live a life that's pleasing to you, Lord. To speak on your behalf, to compel men to come, Lord. Father, we also thank you for the power of your spirit, O oh Lord, to forgive one another when we have been wronged, O oh Lord to ask for forgiveness when we've wronged, O Lord. Father, to to be kind with one another, to forbear one another, O God. To rejoice with them that rejoice and to grieve with those that grieve. Father, we pray that you would be with us as we go forward from this place, O Lord helping us to live a life that's pleasing to you and helping us to live a life in service to one another for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.